and welcome back to the NTBR podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm really excited about today's podcast. So thank you for joining me. So on today's episode, I would like to talk about some of my favorite stories that kind of center around or have a large part of the story focusing on um, children at risk or youth at risk or kind of along those lines, if that makes sense. I had a hard time coming up with an ab- a topic, just kind of a group of books that I really wanted to talk about because I love books that bring to light the issues facing children in different situations because they are at risk in our in our society, in every society around the world, children are usually the, the vulnerable ones. And I love books that bring out these issues. And also, I love it how characters are portrayed being protective of them. Um, I am in childcare for my profession, and it's just a real passion of mine to stand up to be there for children because they need our protection they need our care and i love stories that reflect that so the very first book that i want to talk about in this subject is mercy's fight by tammy l gray i just recently read this it was published a few years ago i'm not quite sure how far 2014 but I just discovered her this year and I have really enjoyed this book let me read you about what it is about and then I'll talk about it so it says um recovering from a past shaped by violence Matt Holloway has sworn to live a different life than his parents did Matt has found purpose that keeps his lingering pain and fear at bay helping others to heal Yet the nightmares continue to haunt him. Grace has lived a life of luxury, sheltered by her family money and connections. When a a betrayal forces her to question everything, she leaves her family and accepts an ambitious position in a career for which she may not be ready. When the two first meet, they cannot deny their instant intense attraction. While Grace is willing to take another risk with her heart, Matt remains chained by his past and struggles to trust their future together. Fighting to save the children they pledge to help, Matt and Grace must overcome the pain in their past and find true courage. Okay, so it doesn't say it in the back cover, but you learn pretty soon in the story that that both of these characters um, work in and around um, kind of a youth recreational, I guess it's kind of like a boys and girls club it's a youth recreational facility kind of in a heart of a downtown rough area and it's dealing with a lot of issues surrounding children that are at risk for joining gangs or in neglectful situations and what I really loved that the author did in this book is she really brought to light sometimes the almost gray area of Not every time when you're dealing with family dynamics or a different social environment 
not every time is the involvement of social services going to work out. As great as some of the foster parents that I know and that I've dealt with because of our um, ministry and helping families in crisis that my family has been involved in, we have really seen firsthand how sometimes getting social services involved does not fix the problem. And in this book, it it is kind of shown how it's like, man, when is the right, it's really sometimes a struggle of when is the right time to call in the authorities? And when is the right time for us as individuals to stand in the gap, to be willing to be there as part of the solution, not to just pass it off onto someone else? I mean, that's what I got from the book. And I really loved the heart for the kids. And I really identified with Grace's character because she came from a really well-to-do family, good connections. She had a really good home life. She comes into the situation and a lot of these kids have come from very broken situations. And even Matt at a time kind of calls her out and she often feels like she doesn't really have anything to really give these kids because she hasn't lived through their experiences. And I really identify that and it, it's kind of a struggle because it's true. I've often felt like, man, you know, I've had a great home life. I have great parents. I haven't gone through what some of these other kids have. But sometimes you feel I just can't like, man, how can I help them or how can I be beneficial to them? without having that firsthand knowledge. And sometimes you feel disconnected from being able to really empathize or connect because you don't have a similar background situation. And I love the message of this book because it's like, you know what? You do not have to know every struggle in order to empathize. You don't have to have firsthand knowledge And I believe that part of that is through the power of story and getting to know people because you can learn, you can empathize, you can be wanting to help somebody without living out exactly their problems. And I feel like fiction is really powerful in that. How, I mean, I've identified with people and their struggles or empathized with them in different centuries, in different countries, because I really believe it's that human connection where you read about somebody's and you can feel empathy and you can identify with people, you can hurt for people, you can have compassion for people, even if your experiences is not the same. And you can experience that through stories. And I think that that makes you a more well-rounded person. Fiction has completely helped me seeing things from others' point of view. And I really love that part of this book. I love the devotion that both of these characters, they really had a heart for reaching out for kids. Grace genuinely wants to go out on her. She wants to make a difference. She has a heart for it. Um, Matt comes from the other perspective where he has lived through the, the horribleness of what some of these kids face. He aches for them. He has that firsthand experience and he's using 
his past to fuel getting involved in helping kids out through that, to grow through that, and to not make the same choices that he's made. And I really love that about this character. Uh, the back cover kind of suggests it was like, um, I don't feel, I'm not huge into the instant love type trope. This one I felt was dealt with in such a way was really well done. It really pulled me in. I don't know if it's just this author's writing or if it was the story itself, but I loved how she developed their relationship, how there's instant attraction, but real, but um, Matt really fights his insecurities, his feeling of not being enough, not being in the same league as Grace. And I really loved seeing him grow through his struggles and facing his past and learning and just his whole redemptive arc. I really loved that. Grace had points that she needed to grow too. I loved seeing her grow because, you know, I just, I just felt for her. I really loved both of these people's journey. It really has that gritty edge to it with the things that it it deals with gang violence. It deals with living in a rough area and the realities that a lot of people face that I have never personally lived with. So I love that gritty raw edge look into that life. And it is a really great romance all wrapped up into that. I, I love it how both of these people are very passionate about what they believe and that really came through on the page great chemistry in the romance just I couldn't stop listening to it I just absolutely love it. it's one of the books that I actually borrowed as an audiobook and I went ahead and bought my own copy because I love it that much and I just love how another thing that really won me over was Matt's the hero's protectiveness um that always really wins me over and and how they were both protective of the kids and they really wanted to make a difference. And I just love that in a story. So the next book that I want to talk about is The Wishing Season by Denise Hunter. I mean, Denise Hunter has so many different lines and stories and stuff. It's like, she probably has one on just about any topic, but this is especially one that I really enjoyed and I really looked forward to reading it and I probably want to read it again maybe around Christmas because it just is that feel but anyway I will read you the description and it says it's a in this competition it's not just the house that's on the line but it's their hearts she has the touch when it comes to food but PJ McKinley's dream of opening her own restaurant is one building short of reality. So when a Chapel Springs resident offers their beloved ancestral homes a prize to the applicant with the best plan for the house, PJ believes she's meant to win. Contractor Cole Evans is confident, professional, and swoon-worthy. But this former foster kid knows his life could have turned out very differently. When Cole discovers the contest, he believes his home for foster kids in transition has found its saving grace. All that he has to do is convince the owner that a not-for-profit enterprise will be good for the community. When, when the eccentric philanthropist weighs the proposal, she proposes an outlandish tie-breaking, tiebreaker. 
PJ and Cole will share the house for a year to see which idea works best. Now with Cole and the foster kids upstairs and PJ and the restaurant below, day-to-day life has turned into an all-and-out rivalry with some seriously flirtatious hallway encounters on the side, but could their magnetic attraction cost them everything they've ever wanted? So if you haven't guessed, one thing that I absolutely loved about this story and was kind of the rivalry between the two characters, how they're both fighting for what they want and both fighting for their dreams that they're very passionate about. PJ is really passionate about her cooking. I believe, I think this is the third in the series and she's the youngest sibling and she's just really trying to make a go with it. She has lived in this community a long time and she really feels like this is her moment and everything that she's wanted to do. So she's really invested. Um, And then with Cole, you really see his heart because of his background. You see the heart for children transitioning out of foster care. And this is a really, it raises some really interesting awareness, I feel, for the kind of end care of foster care. Because it's a reality that a lot of children simply are in foster homes, are in group homes, for, you know, they may come in when they're like five. If they're not adopted, they will age out of the foster care system, have been bounced from multiple homes with no, it's usually bare minimum guidance. And they oftentimes just age out when they're, I think it might be depending on the state, like 18 to 21. And they're completely on their own. They have no family backing. They have no extended family. They are out in the world alone on their own. And yeah, there are government programs for some of them, but these are just young kids alone. And it's really heartbreaking how how often we've seen this as a family with our families in crisis how often the cycle is continually repeated because there's not that sense of community. People are social. We need connection. And when that is broken, it's really hard on these kids, especially to make their way in a life or in the world where they don't have anybody standing in their corner. And I love Cole's passion for wanting to use this home in a way that isn't just about, he, he's wanting to do it a not-for-profit. He wants to do it because his heart is in it. And he wants to see these kids thrive and survive. He's a really, he really wants to mentor them and send them out into the world so they can be successful, so they can be, so they can break the mold of what's happened to him. And one scene that I distinctly remember, I mean, it must have been, Oh, probably at least five years ago that I read this book. And I distinctly remember one scene where he's kind of trying to convince PJ that this is a worthy cause that he should kind of win because they go back and forth whether or not who should win. And he's sitting on the floor going through the files that he's sent of the kids because he gets to take in I think it's like four or five kids and then she starts out and it's supposed to be 
a running process. And he's allowed to have like five kids in the house. And he has PJ help him go through the files where she gets to read when the kids became, um, when the kids came into the foster care system, how long they've been in the foster care system, how many homes they've had to jump back and forth over the different tender years of their growing up. And it really hits her hard. And, and then he tells her, oh no, we have to narrow it down to like five. And she gets that, it hits her how she gets that um, awareness of how can you say no to some of these kids? It's just like each story was incredibly heartbreaking. Each kid deserves a chance to have to say no because there's not enough room really opened her eyes. That was like one moment that I really distinctly remember. And I love that moment because it really puts the heart into it of, man, there's so many kids out there that need help. You know, if, if, if some people could just help a little bit at a time, I really think it would make such a difference. And that's something that's really lasted long. I mean, it's, it's a romance. It was fun. One of my favorite Denise Hunters, but that part to me really left a lasting impression. And that is definitely why it is one of my favorites. So the next book that I want to talk about is Finding Stephanie by Susan May Warren. Reaching way back, this is again one of the very first Susan May Warren that I read. So it's been ooh, probably 10 years, like 8, 10 years since I've read this one. And I really totally fell in love with Stephanie. Um, I will read you the synopsis so, and then I will talk about it. So... Everyone around Stephanie Noble is content, but it seems that her happily ever after has passed her by. Then two troubled girls and their older brother Gideon show up in town and clearly need help. Could they bring the fulfillment that Stephanie has been searching for? Hollywood hotshot Lincoln Cash has made a life playing the role of an action hero, basking in the laurels of his fame, fortune, and enduring fans. But when he's diagnosed with a debilitating disease, she knows that life will soon be he knows that life will soon be over. He only has a small window of time to start a new career, one that will earn him legitimate filmmaker kudos. Soon he heads to Phillips, Montana to put his plan into action. Not everyone is pleased when the movie star's arrival, especially not Stephanie Noble. She is even less enamored when he accuses Gideon of arson and tries to run him out of town. But what Lincoln and Stephanie don't know is that neither the fire nor the other strange things that have happened around town are really accidents. Someone is out to get them, but who and who is the real target? So, I mean, this, it's been a while since I've read this one. So, I'm actually even a little bit fuzzy on exactly what happened, and that totally tells me I need to go back and reread it, because I remember reading this and absolutely loving Stephanie. Stephanie I loved her with those two little girls and their brother brings out the protective mama bear in her. And I loved that about her. She is really, um, she's kind of a go-getter. She's a little, she's more of a tomboy. She's left with the responsibility of 
continuing running the ranch that her two brothers went off and kind of left her with. So she's the responsible one in the family that has really stuck it out over the hard times. And she feels kind of like isolated from what she's wanted to do. And I really loved, I loved her gutsiness. I loved how she was willing to stand up for something, even when like the odds were against her. I really admired her. And that's why it's like, I want to go back and I want to revisit it because I don't even think I remembered like who the villain actually was, but I loved seeing it play out. I loved how she stood up for the underdog and she did not let what was, what Lincoln was going, trying to do his, his push and influence. She didn't let that stop her. And I really liked that. Um, Lincoln isn't a completely unlikable character. You you see, I saw from his perspective too, and I really loved watching their story develop. But there was just something really special about how I admired Stephanie. And I really think that that whole, her like instant maternal protectiveness and her determination to stand by those kids really won me over because they really didn't have anybody in their corner and I love I love heroes who are willing to stand up for the underdog I just think it makes them that much better of a character to cheer for and that's why I love that one. Oh, and that book was Finding Stephanie was the third in the series and that was another series that I read out of order but I was cool with it. Anyway, the next one that I want to talk about is Tying the Knot, another Susan May Warren one. This one was a little bit um, different where it wasn't really providing the, the story didn't... Well, okay, let me read the synopsis and then I'll talk about it. It says, EMT Annie Lundstrom is running from her past, but it's about to catch up. She thought she'd escape it when she moved out of the city into the quiet town of Deep Haven. She certainly never expected to get rope into helping Noah Standing Bear run his summer camp for inner city kids. Yet Noah has a charisma she can't ignore and romance is in the air. But when the very danger she was trying to escape threatens her peaceful haven and her life, Annie must find the courage to face her fears and embrace the one man who can help her understand her past. So this one was a little bit different where it wasn't necessarily providing kids a home, but kind of more of that camp experience where they take inner city kids and they take them out into the woods and they teach them life lessons and give them an experience, a taste of what life is outside of their surroundings. And, um, I like this. I like this one. I loved how this one had a little bit more of a suspense edge to it. I love when there's like a little bit of mystery, a little bit of suspense kind of thrown in there and um, spice it up. It was definitely, Susan May Warren is definitely her straight out sus- romantic suspense. I really love because she pulls you in on an emotional level and in a suspense level. And that's one thing that I really liked about it. Um, I've always thought those youth camp experiences where they get kids out and and give them a ch- chance to see something different are really, really interesting. And I loved the motivation behind Noah's. Like he really, again, kind of like that, not quite the same as Matt, but that same kind of character that really has a heart for reaching those kids and really to go out of his way and, and take the time and do the hard things 
to give these kids a chance. And I just really love that about characters like that. So I definitely, that's definitely on my list of favorites. So then I'm going to delve into some of the more historical sites. So far, all the ones that I've mentioned have been contemporary. So I would really like to talk about A Defense of Honor by Christiane Hunter. This is actually the first book in her series, um, Haven Manor. So yeah, it was really good. I think this one was the very, my very favorite of the whole series. Um, here's the description. It says when Catherine Kit Fitz Gilbert turned her back on London society more than a decade ago, she determined never to set foot in a ballroom again. But when business takes her to London and she's forced to run for her life, she stumbles upon not only a glamorous ballroom, but also Graham, Lord Wharton, who should have been a, what should have been a chance encounter becomes much more as Graham embarks on a search for his friend's missing sister and is convinced Kit knows more about the girl than she's telling. After meeting Graham, Kit finds herself wishing things could have been different for the first time in her life. But what she wants can't matter. Long ago, she dedicated herself to helping women escape the same scorn that drove her from London and raising the innocent children caught in the crossfire. And as much as she desperately wishes to tell Graham everything, revealing the truth isn't worth putting him and everyone she loves in danger. So this one I really loved. I'm using that word a lot, aren't I? But I loved it because it showed kind of a different side to Regency society that's often portrayed in fiction. At least it did for the ones that I read. This book delved into, and I mean, it's been a while since the release, so I'm going to go into a I mean, you could probably guess it from the synopsis, but Kit and her little and two women that she's working with work towards sheltering illegitimate children from society in a way to help the women maintain their reputation by harboring the children out of society's realm, out of society's view. And I really loved it because it was again that real heart for children who have no um they have no way of controlling how they've come into the world but they're still seen in society as a scorn and how these women really devoted to raising them up and giving them the love and nurture and the chance to be free from that from that hanging over their heads. I really love the heart of Kit. I love it how, and even the way Kit had to grow from how they were doing it, Kit realized she needed to realize, you know, sometimes like she had to grow in her thing about, you know, another wrong to cover a wrong done at a wrong time is still wrong. And she had to realize just that because she was doing things as she saw, to protect the kids, to give them a good home, there was other ways that she could still help them. And Graham helped her realize that. I really loved how Graham came along once he realized the plight and how he came alongside and what he did. That was just something that hits one of the reasons he's probably my favorite hero in the series. And it was just really 
how the characters really bound themselves together with that common purpose of helping children. That always, that always gets me in the heart because that's something that is so close to my heart because, you know, they're kids. They need, they need our help. They need our protection as adults. And I love that awareness that she brought to that. And I love that it was in a historical setting. It wasn't just an orphanage that they were doing their community service in. It's, this was something that was very actively engaging and giving them a home. And that's why I love that. Absolutely love that one. So I know I have mentioned Melissa Jaggers in one of my earlier podcasts, the T-Ville Moral Society series. The first one in that one I loved, and I loved how that one kind of started the series about uh, kind of a charity society in this small town in Kansas that is helping kids that are, again, illegitimate orphans or children from illegitimate relationships and that scorn and that prejudice that was against them. And the third book in that series I want to talk about in this episode, because that is um, A Chance at Forever. And this one was really deeply, deeply moving. She, she, that writer, she is just a really incredible writer on how she writes her characters, how she writes them from coming from very very different paths. It's not always pretty. And I really like how she adds that grit to her thing. It just makes it feel like more realistic. And this is something that we battle in society, even today. And you can see that reflection of it and how we as Christians are supposed to be that light and those hands and feet of Jesus. So before I get carried away, let me read you the product description. So it says, in early 1900s, Kansas. Mercy McLean, determined to protect Teville's children from the bullying she experienced as a child, finds fulfillment working at the local orphanage and serving on the school board. When Erin Firebrook, the classmate who bothered her more than any other, petitions the board for a teaching position, she is dead set against him getting the job. Erin knows he deserves every bit of Mercy's mistrust, but he's returned to his hometown a changed man and is seeking to earn forgiveness of those he wronged. He doesn't expect Mercy to like him, but he surely he can prove how he now has the best interests of the children at heart. Will resentments and old wounds hold them back, or can Mercy and Erin put the past behind them in time to face the unexpected threats to everything they're working for? So, this book was the third, it's the third and final in the series surrounding this orphanage. And you see the characters that, um, from the previous two books come through. And, and I just really loved the way that this author wrote in these different characters. Because, I mean, wow, Aaron really came. I did not expect the twist of why he was the way he was when he was young. It was really something that was, it might be really raw for some. There was nothing explicit, but it was just enough that you got where he was coming from, the pain that he experienced as a child. Um, Mercy is a really neat character because she actually has, um, I believe her hand, I believe her hand is disfigured or something like that. 
And so she had been incredibly bullied as a child. And you really see her rise to defend those who are that way. And for her, Aaron was one of her hardest tormentors. So you really see that, you know, enemy, it, it has that enemies to lovers trope. And it's so heartfelt and so raw feeling. I really, really loved how, um, how she did it. And Mercy's the character who wants to stand up for these children for the underdog she really has a heart for it she wants to be involved this is what she feels is her calling in life so she's very passionate about it and then you see Aaron who has been redeemed he's coming back trying to prove that and trying to turn the tables and I don't know if it's undo what he did he knows he can't but it's to try and go back and redeem what he had done wrong and to now work for the good of the children and to stand up against that. And I just really loved both of these characters' growth, what they what they learned, what they saw come through that. I love, I love a good redemption angle anytime. And I really feel like Aaron's was an incredibly powerful one because of the things that you then find came through in his story and through his past. So oh your heart just broke for some of these people and what they had to do and I just feel like that's really amazing writing that makes you feel that much for these characters so anyway those are a few of the books that deal with children at risk or children at in crisis and I really love it when authors tackle the issues like that, that are especially near and dear to my heart. Caring for children is something that I am really passionate about. So I love seeing that reflected in fictional stories. So thank you for listening and may your TBR be unending. Until next week. Bye.